Thanks for tuning in. I'm Steve Ray, author of How to Get U.S. Market Ready. And in this podcast, I'm going to share with you some of the lessons I've learned from 30 years in the wine and spirits business, helping brands enter and grow in the U.S. market. I've heard it said that experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. My goal with the book and this podcast is to share my experience and the lessons learned from it with you so you can apply those lessons and be successful in America. So let's get into it. Hi, this is Steve Ray, and welcome to Italian Wine Podcast this Monday. Today, we're going to be talking about a marketing manifesto for wines and spirits. I've been in the industry for about 30 some odd years uh, and have learned a few things. And uh, what we're going to be talking about today is a short list of uh, things I've learned that can help guide you in your entry into the U.S. market and pursuit of growth in the market. And let's start with number one, which, which is distribution. It's not about placements. It's about replacements. Distribution on and off premise is a good absolute number, but the ratio of total distribution to number of accounts that have reordered gives more insight into how the brand is really doing. Reorder rates is the key metric, which tells you whether the product is moving at the point of consumer purchase. So here's a tip. If you run a distribution build program with your distributor with anything less than three bottles per placement minimum, you might be doing yourself more harm than good by generating distribution that won't move. One bottle on a shelf is not a help. The old rule of thumb is if you're not on the floor, you're not in the store. Number two, don't market to empty shelves. Before you start consumer promotions, make sure that you've developed sufficient distribution such that consumers can actually buy what you're promoting. Now, of course, nowadays with COVID and uh, the dramatic growth in e-commerce, that uh, becomes a really, really useful vehicle. We had the off-premise, we have the on-premise, and now we have the e-premise. So here's a tip when it comes to distribution. You must have where-to-buy functionality accessible on your website and in your social media presence. That's because if you're spending the time or energy to get people interested in your product, take them the last inch of the last mile, which is an opportunity to order. It does double duty. It not only allows your customers to actually buy the product that you're promoting, but it's also a powerful sales tool to let retailers know that you're helping to drive traffic to their store or bar or restaurant. Always target and work with at least one aggressive e-commerce retailer in every market. It will allow you to sell your products to consumers in states where you may not have a distributor on board. This is very important for wines when the number of states that allow direct-to-consumer sales from retailers is pretty broad, but it's just as important, in fact, even more important than spirits, because there are fewer states that allow intrastate e-commerce from retailer to consumer. So where they exist, you want to maximize their abilities. Number three, get it in and then get it out. Building distribution is one thing, a good thing, but it has little value if you haven't coupled that with consumer marketing and promotion to move the product through and generate reorders at retail. The tip there is, in today's hyper-competitive environment, you need to prove your case commercially by yourself before you can convince others that it will sell through for them. And so what that means is you need to have a successful case history showing that the product sells through. Uh, that's going to make it a lot easier for you to sell to new distributors and new retailers because you're taking away the perception of risk. How do I know it will sell? Well, if you demonstrate that and quantify it, you make a much more compelling story. Number four, help the importer and distributor do their jobs. 
Tell the trade what you're going to be doing via trade advertising, PR, newsletters, and so forth. You can drive consumer demand via advertising, promotion, social media, and all that kind of stuff. But And that's important. But at the end of the day, the most important thing, because they're the, the gatekeepers, is you need to tell the trade what you're doing. And what's particularly important there is that this is an area of the business that a lot of brands just don't pay attention to. And so they fail, which means that those of you who employ this strategy are that much more effective because you don't have as much noise to compete. So a way to think about it is add a trade component to all consumer promotions so that the on, off, and e-premise accounts that you have distribution in recognize you're the one sending them customers and helping them grow their revenue and margins. Number five, target audience. Remember that you can't be all things to all people. Determine your target audience and focus on it precisely, comprehensively, consistently, and relentlessly. And then rinse and repeat. And the tip here is it's just as important to determine who's not your audience as well as who is. Now, obviously, I'm generalizing here. There's a lot more details and practical applications of many of the things I'm talking about today. But I think if you keep them in mind, it will help uh, focus the spending and investment of the resources that you do have on a things that actually make a difference in the marketplace. Number six is, is one that I think is absolutely critical, critically important, relatively easy to do, and one that takes a little bit of discipline and most people don't do it, which means it's an opportunity. And that's triage by must, should, and could, or must do, should do, and could do. It's easy to be seduced by great ideas, the next shiny object, but it's your job to recognize that great ideas are only great if they are on strategy. And we like to break things into three categories to really simplify decision-making. First one is, what must we do? What are the things that absolutely, positively have to be dim, done? Without them, nothing else will work. Example there is you have to have distribution at retail, product in inventory at stores that are selling it. Things that are on strategy and will help the brand but only to be funded after ensuring that all of the musts are funded and fielded effectively. And lastly, what could we do? Usually these fall into the category of unsolicited offers for sponsorship, events, free giveaways at parties, and so forth. And we recommend that you consider these only after all of the musts and the most cost-effective shoulds have been taken care of. And the tip here is make sure your strategies mesh with target audience behavior. You have to use different tools to reach millennials versus boomers, as an example. And number seven, if any of you know me, you've heard me say this before, you need to have a point of difference that makes a difference. A P-O-D that M-A-D. Point of difference that makes a difference. This is essentially uh, the simplest, but perhaps also the most difficult thing that you have to do. Pare down your brand positioning to its absolute essence to determine not just what differentiates you from competitors, but how to express that difference in ways that are meaningful and motivational. I often ask prospective clients to define their POD, that MAD, point of difference that makes a difference. And, and I commonly get the same answer. We make really great, and then put your category here, wine, beer, spirits, vodka, whatever. Well, that's necessary, but it's not sufficient. What is it that makes your brand a unique solution to a consumer and trade buyer's problem? And think emotional benefits rather than my product tastes better than anybody else. For example, here's a tip. Pairing is no longer limited to just food and wine, cocktails. The new paradigm is not about what it pairs with. It's where and when and with whom you are pairing. What is the environment? Virtual or real and who is participating. So it could be a Zoom call where you're doing a virtual tasting could be an example. And with apps like Vine Pair, Vivino, Wine for Me, consumers are sharing their experience in real time. And that goes beyond the food, well beyond. Number eight, 
This is a marathon, not a 100-meter dash. The U.S. may be the most important wine and spirit market in the world, but it's also the most difficult, competitive, and complicated. And the best tip I can give you on that one is recognize that complexity and plan for it. It's not that camp complex that you can't deal with it. The important thing is to plan in advance so that you don't get blindsided when something you didn't expect happens because I can guarantee you it will. Number nine, don't pay for people to come to you, bring your wines, spirits, to where they're already gathered. And that would be in the real world, for example, obviously bars and restaurants, retail stores, events, and so forth, as well as the virtual world. Whether it's wine destination websites, not yours, so Vivino, Vine Pair, and so forth, online events and online communities. The tip here is think of gathering in terms of asynchronicity doesn't happen at the same time. These days, not everybody has to be in the same place at the same time to share the same experience. And creatively taking advantage of that can pay off dramatically for you in terms of marketing. So don't pay for people to come to you. Bring your products to where they're already gathered. And number 10, push versus pull. Building both into your marketing plan is mandatory. Push has no value without consumer purchase and pull has no value without distribution. So a tip is to allocate your resources to activate consumers to order or call for your brand in a way that involves the retailer so they recognize what you're doing for their specific account. One old school idea was a brand had run an ad with a coupon in the New York Times offering a free sampler of their product with a 50 ml bottle and two little tasting glasses. People would cut out the coupon, they would walk into the door, and uh, the second one that the retailer got kind of made the retailer jump, stand up and, and recognize, oh my God, these guys are sending business into my stores. Um, they're a valuable partner. And of course, the same thing holds true online. Develop your programs so that when you're forwarding leads or purchasers to a particular retailer, they're aware where the purchaser is coming from. Number 11, ready, fire, aim. I know that's not the right order. Ready, aim, fire is what you usually hear. Well, in this case, we're talking about ready, fire, aim. It's rare to get everything right the first time. So set specific quantified objectives. That's the ready part. Fire when you're ready and then aim or, or re-aim based on performance against those measurable objectives. It's a much better way of making sure that you're doing the right things in the right order to the right people the right way by generating effective sales. Tip here, an objective without a measurement is just a goal. Metrics matter. And lastly, number 12, curb your enthusiasm and really, really focus. I know this is really hard to do, but, but it's absolutely critical. Recognize that it's rare to get things right for the first time. You can be ready and still be wrong. I think about uh, Ciroc. It was originally positioned, you may not know this, as Snap Frost Vodka before P. Diddy got involved. It was a failure as a brand, and then they reinvented it. So invest the time and resources on a limited geography to soft launch in a small number of markets, no more than three. The U.S. is more balkanized than the Balkans. We have 52 different markets, the 50 individual states, plus Montgomery County, Maryland, and um, Washington, D.C. The common mistake most people make is to go too wide, too fast. And you can't support that distribution and you can't drive consumer interest in that many markets. Better to focus on a limited number of markets, a limited number of accounts, and really work them well. And the final tip here is prove your concept commercially and scalably, and only then look to expand. There's a simple but effective strategy to differentiate how you go to market. 
And I like to simplify that to zag when everybody else is zigging. And the origin of that was I was in Ukraine making a presentation on strategy to the owner of the company who didn't speak any English at all. So we were going through an interpreter. And I saw that all my explanations and, uh, you know, marketing jargon and all the rest of that was completely getting lost. The guy was not capturing what I was saying. So I went over to, he had a flip chart, didn't even have a whiteboard, and I went over there and I just wrote zig and zag. And I put a circle, big red circle with a line across it on the zig and pointed to zag. And he smiled. So graphically, he got the concept that I was trying to bang into his head by using all these big words. Sometimes using visuals is a much stronger way to communicate. But it's the philosophy here. If everybody else is zigging, you should zag. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next Monday on the Italian Wide Podcast. This is Steve Ray saying thanks again for listening on behalf of the Italian Wine Podcast. My favorite quote from Jonathan Swift, Vision is the art of seeing things invisible.